Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the Loudwire Podcast. My name's Graham. And I'm Joe. And today, <laughs> Alter Bridge are in the studio. Miles Kennedy and Mark Tremonti. Very happy to have them in here. The new album, The Last Hero, October 7th. And we're going to be talking to these guys about a ton of great stuff. Hopefully a lot of metal too. A lot of metal, a lot of rock. The album kind of straddles both lines there. So it does. we're going to get to the bottom of that, see what they've been thinking. Yeah, it really does. If you want some metal riffs with your rock or some rock with you your metal. You got rock in my metal. You what? got metal in my rock. Cool. <laughs> and uh, for today's Rocker versus Writer segment, we will be arguing the greatest hard rock or metal guitar duo of all time. There's a lot of them to choose from. I'm going with Dave Murray and Adrian Smith. Of Iron Maiden, Iron of Maiden. course. We'll see what they pick. Uh, it's going to be a good one. And I'm going to try my best not to make any Creed Shreds references while Mark Tremonti is in the studio. Don't do it. I won't do it. <laughs> all right. It's the Loudwire Podcast. Everybody, sit down. And shout! All right, everyone, Loudwire Podcast here, and we are with Mark Tremonti and Miles Kennedy of Alter Bridge. Thank you so much, you guys, for coming along. The Last Hero, October 7th, that's when you can buy the record. And, I mean, you guys are really skirting the line between, like, metal and rock on this one, because I think this is the first time you guys are using seven-string guitars. I used it just on the opening track. Miles was still on the six-string, but mm -hmm. uh, I think we just wanted to, bring some different soundscapes in on this record and that was one thing I, I had told Miles I really want to experiment with the seven string on this record and we uh first single has it yeah for sure I mean it's kind of it's really refreshing to hear what a radio would call an active rock band or like a heart you know what whatever that genre gets is slapped on it yeah whatever <laughs> that is to really have some metal influence in there because I mean we've heard it you know, from the first album with you guys with, you know, songs like Metalingus and stuff like that. But this one, it's really, somebody could turn on one of these songs and go, oh, this is a metal band. And then it goes into more of a hard rock thing. So, I mean, what are your influences that came to be for this record? Uh, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I always chased down the heaviest, darkest stuff I could find. And then, uh, tried to push that as much as I could on my band members. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. I, I love metal, and uh, I think um, from the early days of Alter Bridge, um, you know, I was trying to push Slayer influences and Metallic influences and even Celtic Frost and uh, uh, Testament, all the speed metal stuff. I grew up in Megadeth. And, uh, but at the same time, I liked bands like Tesla. You know, oh, yeah, Finger sure. style stuff. I learned a lot um, from Frank Hannon and... Uh, um, and I like the the poppy '70s soft rock like Rod Stewart or Jerry Rafferty. So I'm kind of a mixture of all those things. Because sure. one thing that's pretty interesting is you know you have some songs that are incredibly heavy, and then some that very sing-songy chorus like "Put Your Lighters in the Air," mm -hmm. and you have the ability to kind of wrangle in all these different types of fans. Like um, when my mom was telling me when Guns N' Roses put out "Appetite for Destruction," like they put out "Welcome to the Jungle," and like kind of you know all the I guess the hair metal chicks weren't into it it was a little too heavy but then sweet child of mine and paradise city came out and went oh this is more our speed and then got into kind of the heavier side of the band 
Do you see that happening with AlterBridge? Well, I think that because we always try to, you know, balance the, the, the heavy riffage with a melodic sense, and that's kind of our, um, that's always been our thing. Uh, melodies, Mark and I uh, both love strong melodies, but we also love aggressive riffs. So I think that, you know, it's interesting what you said about Appetite for, for Destruction, because that's a, that's a great example of the ability to, you know, dudes dig that record because it's got a certain intensity, but then it's got those... You know those big choruses that the that the that the chicks mm -hmm. dig. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you really do it on purpose. No, I think people, uh -uh. songwriters just have different sides to them. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think we'd feel complete if we put out a record full of uh, metal songs and didn't have anything emotional in there. And uh, I think that's the same thing the Guns guys did on that record. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you set I, up the light moments with the darkness, and then yeah. you set up the darkness with the light. Yeah, it's I not mean, as dark without the light. It's not as heavy <laughs> without the soft. You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's one of those things, too, because we're pretty eclectic in our tastes. You know, we listen to a lot of, I mean, I always, I guess, I, personally, I always have. I've always, I've gone through so many different phases as, a, as an artist where I've, what got me into music initially, or I should say what got me into wanting to play guitar was metal and hard rock. You know, Eddie Van Halen, obviously not metal, but then Metallica and Priest and Accept and all, and all that stuff I was really into. And then I went through a jazz phase and I went through an R&B phase. And so years of just kind of digesting many different things becomes part of your creative DNA. And then you spit that out in your, in your, in your craft. So I guess that's, uh, that, you know, Mark obviously expressed the same thing with, mm -hmm. you know, Tesla to, to Slayer. Mm -hmm. Joe gets a lot of his metal knowledge from his mom, <laughs> especially when it comes to Poison, right? Oh, yeah, that's my favorite. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I was raised all, like, all on hair metal, glam, that kind of stuff. Wow. Cool. Then it evolved heavier. Right. Yeah. What's, your, fa heavier. what's your favorite hair, hair metal record? Ooh, that is a that's tough gonna one. That's going to take him a while. Out of the yeah. Cellar. Um, out of the Cellar is good. That, that is a good one. I don't know, like I don't really consider Twisted Sister hair metal just because they come from such a You're different burn yeah. hell is such a badass but, song though. Yeah, right? like live at Hammersmith from Twisted Sister. Perfect cool. would probably be it. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah, go for a live record. Why not? <laughs> I mean, uh, so this record for you guys, uh, you're talking a lot about heroes in society. Uh, you know, it's I can almost see this being a soundtrack for heroes. You know, it's kind of cinematic, you know, in songs like My Champion when you're saying you know, you gotta keep fighting, gotta get back up again. You know, did you have anyone in mind for these records and, uh, well, for this record? And almost with a song like My Champion, was it written almost as a reminder to the self that you gotta keep fighting, you gotta get back up again as well? Well, absolutely. I mean, for me, I'm not good at writing songs like up with I'm not the I don't want to be the Tony Robbins of rock I say up with people <laughs> you know where it's like but, but so what they are it's kind of um I'm not the guy that gets up every morning looks in the mirror and goes you're great I'm not that guy I've got my struggles just like everybody else to try and believe in myself so these songs come from an honest personal space um, you take a song like that. Uh, you take a song like "Poison in Your Veins." It's trying to mm. trying to live life courageously and remember to you know get back up and keep dusting yourself off and keep persevering. I mean, I think that's just I need to hear that over and over and over again. And if that then in turn becomes a, a somewhat of a mantra for somebody else, that's awesome, you know. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I think that that's always going to be. A, part of our, the equation in this band as far as what the content of our songs just because we need to hear that ourselves you know well sure you're talking to me earlier about 
an album like AB3, which a lot of people started to relate to because you were questioning your own religious beliefs and stuff like that. So it, it seems like with Alter Bridge's career album by album, it's almost been not conceptual, but different topics that people really end up uh, grasping a hold of. And I guess this one last year was about heroes in society and stuff like that. I mean, do you, do you guys see any heroes in our modern society that you look up to? Mm, that's the, that's, I think that's the reason why the record is written. Cause there's not too many that you can, that really pop to mind. I mean, they're there, uh, but yeah. it's just a matter of, you know, you know, I, th- I think they're, they're unspoken heroes. You know, it's, it's, it's these people like, um, you know, I've got a friend, Stacy Pat back in Orlando, who started Bridges of Light Foundation, who, who puts kids who couldn't get an education in schools and, and, and she doesn't go out and boast about it. It's just something she does. Those are the kind of here, the unspoken heroes that I think, um, yeah. if those types of people would get elevated to, to, um, a position of power could make a, a, a good difference. Now it's, Touring the world, you obviously have different perspectives on what's going on currently, what's happened in the past. When do you think was the last time you really saw, you know, the last hero, a face that you could recognize and get behind on a bigger, like a bigger scale, not just well, really a local community? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, when I, I was one of the, the folks that uh, in 2008, um, with with the Obama when Obama was running for president, I was you know this we're unfortunately going into politics now, which I hate doing, but I'll just be on. I'm going to be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. when when he came on the scene, it really excited me, and and I felt like that was somebody that was telling me the things that I um, I was looking to hear at that point in my life. So so you know I think that was probably that'd be my answer there. You know, what about you, Mark? Um. Yeah, to me, I really can't think of any any powerful men and and or women in in powerful positions that I really th- think have done a, a a perfect job of of doing their job. I, I really can't. I mean, yeah, it's hard. It's hard too because a lot of it's system related. You know, a lot of it has to do with um, you can have these people put in positions of power, and they may have good intentions, but then because of the way you know the system is nothing ends up getting done (laughs) so and so that's the the real issue there is is Mm -hmm. you can be all idealistic and have these aspirations to change the world but the world's not gonna let you change them you know not all the time right and you guys have been all around the world and i'm sure you've gotten to see how different governments and societies have been affected by certain policies and leaders and stuff so i mean maybe through touring do you think that maybe placed a little thing in your head saying man we need we need a hero maybe on a worldwide scale or maybe this this country really needs help that country really needs help or even this country's doing it right there's a lot of european countries that do things so differently than we do that you know we would call them socialists but then you you know you social democracy yeah for sure but then you go over there and um and you see how happy people are. Like you go, yeah. to, you go to like Norway, or you go to Denmark, or you go to uh, Switzerland or Sweden, and, and every and you can't find a bad neighborhood. You can't find everybody's happy. Everybody yeah. gets along. Well, it seems mm. like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I agree. I, I agree with you there. I mean, we, we 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 sit here and we say, oh, you know, there can be no other system, and we're not advocating socialism or anything. But we're but it's definitely like you you bring up the idea if you travel and you see th- and you actually step into that world mm. as opposed to just seeing it through the news and you look around and you go hmm 
well, that's interesting. You, you learn, you, you know, traveling is really good to kind of broaden your your horizons and your, change your perspective a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Just to see it in person. I lived in Australia for six and a half years and that's like another social democracy. Right. So you do get to hear about stories and people and that situation that you wouldn't hear here because people here, they don't know what's happening in Australia or Switzerland or Denmark or whatever, except for, you know, the metal scenes over there. Yeah. Which is really what's important, I exactly. guess. <laughs> uh, you know, with this record, to me, I keep thinking you guys, you guys need to like get in contact with Marvel, just to be to be in the next big blockbuster. That's what we were going after. The next Suicide Squad. <laughs> that song. was the complete intent of this record yes. only. But I mean, that must be something that you know would be a happy coincidence, I suppose. If you well, well, we're lucky enough. Uh, you know, when when um, when we go off and we write our parts to complete the record, and I heard the lyrics that Miles had put to my champion, I think we all immediately thought, "Wow, that would be a great um, song f to, you know, for the Olympics or for, for mm. Sports Center or for you know <laughs> any anything where where somebody's achieving a goal." And and uh, I think we've already got um, you know people playing it on you know football highlights and whatnot, which oh, is yeah. which is which is which is great. You know, it's cool. just. Uh, you know, I think that's the, the perfect song. You know, we haven't had a lot of songs like that. That would be obvious songs that could get out to the to the masses in that kind of way. So, my champion's probably the, one of the first we've had. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's funny. It's one of those things you don't go into it and you know, it's like it sounds contrived. You know, you don't want it to be contrived. Like we need a song that's gonna fit. So, as when you write a song and you finish it and you step back and listen, you go, well, maybe that that could work. That'd be a good application. And, and yeah, mm -hmm. my champion has certainly proven to be that at this point where. You know, yeah, it has a very cinematic feel to it. So, I mean, it lends itself to imagery really well, like right. you're saying. I mean, it could be football highlights, you know, it could be so many different things. People, I mean, I could see somebody getting rescued out of a burning building. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but, you know, that song at the same time um, is one of our most polarizing. You know, we've only had two songs come out on this record, but this is one of those songs where, uh, you know, some fans don't like it because they want the record to be heavy you know and they hear this and they think oh this is the second song maybe the record's going to be soft i hate it <laughs> you know <laughs> so you know our next uh instant grat track we'll probably pick something that's a little more uh sounds a little more like the rest of the record to ease right. those people yeah just so people aren't scared <laughs> <laughs> no when fans get the album this you will probably hear probably the most metal guitar parts that you've heard on an Alter Bridge album, I think. And also some fantastic shredding, so do not worry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into Rocker versus Writer. Today, the topic is who is the greatest hard rock or metal guitar duo of all time? The Rockers here, course miles kennedy mark tremonti the writer joe devita of loudwire uh so guys who do you say best guitar trio of all time? guitar trio uh, well trio. <laughs> leonard, yes. leonard skinner in that case i'm thinking iron maiden I'm sorry. Going. Iron maiden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. sorry guitar duo okay let me just open up by saying if it's rock and it's not metal and it and it's and it's not even it's more of a classic rock jam kind of thing Derek Trucks, Warren Haynes are the undisputed, could not be beaten. I think in my mind, ever. I, I would give you, I would give you that if we're looking at that, you know, just yeah. like overall, the, those two are ferocious. But if we're talking metal and we're talking hard rock, 
you know, if you go way back for, for I can just say for me, the first duo that really uh, had a profound effect on me would have been KK and Glenn. Oh, Jesus yeah. Priest. When I heard Screaming for Vengeance, I was like, that is awesome, you know, and, and uh, you know, whether that's the greatest of all time, we are here to obviously discuss that. <laughs> Jeff Beck. Jimmy Page, Yardbirds. Well, yeah, the, the, the Yardbirds. Well, if you're talking yeah. Yardbirds, it's a little... Uh, to me, the Yardbirds are always a little bit underwhelming because of the greatness that those musicians went, went on to. Went yeah, on yeah. to. And yeah. the, you know, when Just you have, the names. Yeah, when you have Jeff... You go, oh, my God, Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page in the same band. But mm-hmm. it's not those same guys in the Yard. Not, they went on not to do against better the Yardbirds, right? yeah. yeah. Still some good songs, but, I mean, God, those two just crushed after Right, that. yeah. Yeah. So, um, Joe, who do you say? Dave Murray and Adrian Smith of Iron Maiden. Yeah. And what I love about them is that they complement each other so well. Like, Dave Murray's got, like, the smoothest legato in the biz. He's just butter down there. And then you've got Adrian, who's got really, like, highly emotive phrasing. Really, mm-hmm. like, short, quick bursts of notes. And... The compliment there is just, you know, when you're doing the solo battle, you don't want to hear two guys who are doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You want to hear one guy do his thing and then the other guy go, all right, well, that's yours. I'm going to take it over here. And it makes it really hard to decide, you know, who's the better guitar player in this band because they've got such distinct styles mm-hmm. there. Right. I think that's what separates them from a lot of other duos. Right. Got this, they've got this epic quality to their stuff, too. Mm-hmm. It's very heroic. And then when they're playing together, too, you, you know, you've got, like, obviously the lead on the trooper. But Dave's oh, yeah. playing it a lot smoother than Adrian is. And then when you have that different kind of picking attack or anything like that, it brings out so much more in the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the very beginning, the guys in Iron Maiden were doing like the twin guitar attack. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, Priest Judas pretty Priest, much invented that. They, I'll concede that. Exactly. When it comes to the twin guitar attack of just like the most metal thing that's ever been written, like as you're saying, Screaming for Vengeance is like right there. But also from the very beginning of Iron Maiden's very modest beginnings, uh, stuff like Iron Maiden the song and uh, oh god, what's the Phantom of the Opera? Yes. Also, like it's a pretty good, both one. just twin guitar attack, beautiful gloriness, mm-hmm. <laughs> beautiful <laughs> gloriness. <laughs> so, yeah, also, we were talking about this earlier with this, uh topic of the guys in mastodon oh yeah absolutely just Mm -hmm. a perfect guitar duo miles you were you were really like fanboying out yeah i mean as as was i i'm fanboy with mastodon in general i mean i think it's one of those things when they see me at festival or something they turn around and just run like oh there's the fanboy (laughs) (laughs) but but i just think there's such an important band in in the evolution of the genre them and gojira both and oh i love that yeah yeah and it's just like when i hear bill and brent play there's just something there's something so so unorthodox about their approach and it's very muso i mean it's very it's very complex but there's a certain soulful element like in the way brent plays his leads that are um um you know very uh, it's hard to it's hard to articulate but he's just got that x factor Mm -hmm. and uh and obviously the riffs are are genius yeah I mean, when it comes to, to Brent, he's got that soulfulness, but he's also just got this wild riff writing style of yeah. just stuff that you didn't even know was like possible on the guitar. And then Bill is just holding it down with these giant riffs. Right. And God, those two together, I, I can't mm-hmm. say enough about it. But more more about Priest, 
Like, let's hear more about Priest and, uh, you know, what KK and Glenn were able to do together. You know, maybe Screaming for Vengeance. We we keep talking about how Defenders of the Faith is maybe the best Priest album. Yeah, that, yeah. that's my top. Sometimes Painkiller, just because there's not a weak moment on that whole just, thing. So how do you knock it just down? Just beautiful. Right? But, yeah, Defenders has all those screaming leads and everything. Yeah, I actually, I just did an interview over over in London and, and asked me what I thought one of the most underrated record, records were, and I, I chose Defenders. Defenders, oh. Yeah. Defenders. We love you forever for that. <laughs> we talk about Defenders incessantly. It's a great record. It's a great record. But for me, I mean, when I discovered Priest... It was, I was listening to the radio one night and I heard the Hellion into Electric Eye. Into, oh, and I, God. I mean, like, so good. Heading out to the highways, that song for me. That's a good one, too. Okay, oh, more in like one. the rock, uh, the rock area. Of that, yeah. I mean, the first song I ever learned to play on guitar, really, was um, Breaking the Law. So, I mean, obviously, oh, yeah. the Slow Affair has <laughs> gone for a long time. But yeah, the Hellion Electric Eye, that's the perfect intro right. to yet another perfect twin guitar attack which like so many bands use that template for their songs after you know what it's that's a really good point and i think a lot of times i with intros in this band at least what i'm thinking what i might bring to the table probably is inspired by the hellion electric eye that Mm -hmm. may be where a lot of that comes from just to conjure that same kind of feeling yeah you know because it's that setup you know it's that setup to really and we kind of learned that with our first single on this record with Show Me a Leader, where initially we, because people were concerned about how long the, the, the song was and they chopped the intro off and then people, a lot of fans oh, were like, it ruins the song. Yeah. Yeah. So that intro can really help just kind of. It's the intro is what makes that song good. If you take that intro off, it's, a, it's an okay song. You put the intro on there and I think it turns into something that's, that's special. That's why we lead it off the record with it. You know, it's the intro to the, the you know, pretty much the intro to that record. Right. And then you've got Iron Maiden, who forget the intro track. You know, Ace is high. That's mm-hmm. Where Eagles there? Oh, God, <laughs> it's just Moonchild. R- Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, though. That's like one of my big ones for me. Like the off the live record. Yeah. Oh mm, my God, so off, good. Off Flight six six six, right? Uh, no, live after death. live after death. It's on Flight uh, six 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 six. It's so hard two. to pick the best Maiden live yeah, record. Right. <laughs> But yeah, oh god. What's great about that one is because you've got all three guitars. So even mm. when they're doing the twin leads, you've got another guitar playing yeah, rhythm right. underneath, mm-hmm. going with Steve, and it just it brings out the, the fullness of right. that song. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, Mark. I think uh, you were also talking about uh, a duo that, for some reason, I didn't even think about. But when you brought it up, I, I just my head exploded. You're talking about Eric Peterson and Alex Skolnick in oh, Testament. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is godlike thrash right there yeah you know when i was when i was into the speed metal thrash stuff skolnick always seemed like the top dog in that that realm of of you know when he would yeah. lay into a lead it sounded sophisticated it sounded precise mm-hmm. it's it wasn't just uh didn't have that punk flair that a lot of guys had it had that mm-hmm. precision and that that uh it wasn't shredding to shred. There was intent yeah, behind it. He's, yeah. he's he has, and he has a jazz background. Yeah, he's a yeah. jazz, where jazz guy just, from. Mm-hmm. Just like yourself. He's he's kind of, um, I, I you know, and he was really young when he was like one of the really young cats. I mm-hmm. remember when I when I started playing guitar, I'd occasionally you'd see these young guys in these bands who were like your your age, and you're like, oh man, he's so good already. Like him <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, you know. Blue Cercino and Richie mm-hmm. Kotzen and all the, they were all part of a part of that thing in the like late '80s, early '90s, and he was so advanced by that point. But it's cool what Alex has gone on to do with like with his trio and playing yeah. his, playing mm-hmm. his jazz, trans Siberian, with blues cats, you know, right? It's, 
yeah, he's he's the cool thing about amazing. his trio is that they'll play like rock and metal covers, like they did Tom Sawyer and they did the Trooper, and you could hardly even recognize it. Right. It's so distant from like the actual original song. That's I guess cool. it's somehow still rooted in there. I don't have a degree in jazz, and I'm not going to pretend <laughs> like I do, but I guess it's all still there. But it's it's so weird that you could actually hear a song that you know so well, and if it's on, you could not even maybe recognize it, and to still know that that's still at the at the root of it the same right. guitar playing so cool. alex skolnick is just on another yeah. level I'm, I'm mad that grant brought it up because i didn't want to <laughs> have to argue against alex skolnick That's yeah. A rough one. Oh, yeah we just did a, a, a show um uh, on Shiprock, and alex was on the on the boat playing yeah and i got to spend some time with him and it was uh, it was a good moment so i have a question for, for everybody all right if you were to pit okay so we're talking like let's talk just talk full shred mayhem we're talking okay. shred fest shredders here. of the shredders okay, okay shredders of the shredders if you took cacophony okay which is jason mm-hmm. becker and marty friedman yeah versus racer x bruce brule and paul gilbert uh gilbert's my favorite of all four yeah just, uh, mm. it's just i just grew up learning all his VH1 or his his VHS his VHS, his, his VHS, <laughs> his VHS tapes of all his uh, shred videos. Uh, it's hard to mess with Friedman though. I know he's I, got that's a thing, right? But to. also there's there's the whole Megadeth part of Friedman as well. So I mean that that adds to his greatness. But right. Geez, I I don't know. Yeah. But when it comes to just like pure shred, mm, maybe if you want to talk about pure shred, a great duo is King Hanneman. I mean, those guys, you know, beyond riff, writing I think, riffs. I think their riffs are the best, some of yeah. the best riffs of all time. Yeah, I agree, uh, especially. But, I mean, shred-wise? Like, lead-wise. Like lead-wise, lead too, but yeah. But when you get to those guys shredding, they both just had such an erratic, ridiculous style of just, you know, pounding as many notes oh, yeah. into a right. measure as they possibly could. Right. And it, it did wonders to, you know, when I was a kid trying to learn their songs... That's what made my right hand fast was learning mm. Slayer rhythms. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. And when I saw Slayer live for the first time, uh, it almost brought a tear to my eye. I was just like, I can't fucking believe I'm when watching was this? Slayer. <laughs> uh, it it was at House of Blues in Orlando. Um, uh, I had a sky box like right next to the stage. It just okay. Uh, it was probably I don't know 10, 12 years ago. Okay, 13 so years ago. I wasn't a, I wasn't still, a kid. Yeah. yeah, I never saw him as a kid. Wow. And um, you but got ever since Jeff. I was a massive fan, and uh, mm-hmm. Lombardo actually came over to the Skybox and and uh, say my kids uh, would like uh, something signed for, for from this is back in the early Creed days. So I kind of yeah, felt like sure. a dork, you know, doing showing up <laughs> Creed to a Slayer concert. But um, I was very impressed that the solos that they were doing on the record, which seems like they're just going wild, hitting any note. Um, they were doing those exact same solos, you know. At least I think Carrie was hitting the same solos he was doing on the records, mm-hmm. you know, which was, which blew me away. Calculated chaos. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. absolutely. Hey, that yeah. should be the name of our next record. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, I another shred duo: Chuck Schuldner and Andy LaRoque. Oh. Yes. On individual thought. It's patterns. really a shame that they didn't do more together. Don't you Anything think? with Andy LaRoque is incredible. Yeah, yeah we're. Again, I think he's the only. Diamond. Yeah, I think he's the only guy solo wise that could really come close to Iron Maiden's realm right. as far as just mm. the it's so highly emotional and then 
they sneak in like kind of like these little simple fills and these licks mm-hmm. that it's just like it's so understated how a little guitar fill could do so much mm-hmm. for so many songs well king diamond knew how to choose them man oh my god just, you know? and Schuldner both mm-hmm. just both did never had a poor lineup in their entire careers and both of them never really made anything but great records mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. just the most supreme and utmost respect for those guys absolutely oh, yeah. and, and Andy LaRocque more people need to mm-hmm. talk about how awesome he is man. another oh, duo yeah. Hank Sherman and uh, Michael Denner Merciful Fate that's probably <sighs> I probably prefer that the, the riffs and the overall vibe of Merciful Fate's music I prefer a little bit to the King Diamond stuff I love the King Diamond stuff but there was just this cool classic vibe to the to the to the Merciful Fate stuff that yeah it's like early Priest and like the first two Maiden records just kind of like the best of those two things just fuse together and then you get merciful fate oh, the guitar wow. tones on that Perfect. on those records man so original and unique for yeah. its time too even now you listen back to that and you're like nothing sounds like it yeah absolutely nothing except king diamond it's so, <laughs> yeah it's so sick but even even when even when fatal portrait came out it had a more polished much more polished sound Definitely. than the merciful fate stuff you know it's just different mm-hmm. you know it was you know you you heard the more of the anna de la sound that that uh, he was on Fatal Portrait, right? I mean, he came right mm-hmm. off the bat. Um, it just had this more polished 80s. It was slick. Yeah, and then slick. you had Mickey D on the drums. Yeah. Mickey's awesome. He's so great. And yeah, God. congratulations to him. Full-time member of the Scorpions now, too. Oh, really? I didn't know, I know that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Isn't that, that, this him. just happened. Really? Literally just happened yesterday, Good pretty much. God, okay, so finish off the, the guitar duo talk. Let's, let's just name... The most essential guitar duo album, Joe. <sighs> Throw me for a loop here. You couldn't yeah. start at Miles down at the other end. Of the <laughs> well, I mean, mine is I, I can already give. You said screaming, right? Yeah, for me, it's screaming for vengeance. Screaming for vengeance. The album goes Ooh. amazing. I know my choice. Seventh Son. Seventh Son. Yeah. Seventh Son. Absolute beauty. Overthinking things over here. <laughs> first, first, first tour I ever saw. First show I ever saw was on that. Tour. It was a Seventh Son yeah. tour. First show I ever saw was Iron Maiden doing that. I saw the uh, when they did it again. I caught that one three times. That's yeah. my favorite album ever. So yeah, the new Made in England a, tour. Yeah, yeah. So we got to experience what you experienced. You know, like twenty five years previous. <laughs> we are so thankful for that. All right. <laughs> I feel like I'm young when I say that I love that record. You know, because all the old old school Maiden people. That's a new Maiden record. You know, that is <laughs> that is a little weird. I know Joe met some dude who still considers Bruce Dickinson to be the new guy. Yeah, <laughs> I was on a train on the Somewhere Back in Time tour. That's and funny. then um, ran into him after the show, and he was like, that was better than any show they ever put on in the 80s. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. That's funny. All right, everyone, that's Rocker versus Writer. Let us know what you think in the comments section below. Uh, so, Miles, you know, we've got to talk a little about Slash, and of mm-hmm. course, uh, with GNR back right now it's basically the biggest thing that's happened in you know this millennium uh i'm curious when did you know that this was in the works i knew let's see what is it now about a year ago i think okay um slash um told me we were we were on tour and he and he he brought it up and uh you know it's one of those things where i think it I always felt like it was inevitable. It was just a matter of, of time. Mm-hmm. And the fan in me was like he told me and I was kind of jumping for joy <laughs> internally. And I and I and, and I, I think when he said it to me, I just 
I said, you know, you know, you're going to be make you're making a lot of people happy <laughs> with this decision. Yeah. Um, because we've waited 20 plus years for it. And so when it finally, like, I didn't get to, get to go to the Troubadour show, which was their first like official mm-hmm. thing. Um, but I uh, got to go to the the first one in Vegas. and Oh, with Alice. Beautiful. Uh, no, no. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was with Alice and Chains. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought you meant Alice and Coop- Alice Cooper. Alice, yeah, Alice uh, Cooper. He was there too, right? No. And uh, but yeah, it was it was great. You know, and I think I think the fact that you know Axel had hurt his foot and right, he had his Game of Thrones chair. Yeah, and he and he went up there mm-hmm. with that chair. To me, showed that he was in it to win it. You know, he yeah. was, he, and he 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 stuck it out like a champ. Yeah, he easily could have called it off, or postponed some dates, and yeah, wasn't happening. Right, he had a lot to prove. Lots to prove. I, I hope they have a long, fruitful future. I hope so too. I'm, Talk- sure, I'm sure that I'm sure that they're gonna, you know, given the massive amount of success. Because let's face it, it's the most. I think what, what can you think of the last rock band that's been able to fill stadiums in the U.S.? It's really so. just like Foo Fighters are kind of able yeah. to, and then you got like guys like Paul McCartney who are still well, doing yeah, it, but like he's, he's a beetle. He's a beetle, but like as far as like hard rock, like guitar, like yeah, no, it's amazing. It's amazing. And we were talking about that actually uh, with William Duvall. When he was in yeah, here. Yeah, he was in here oh, recently. And it's just crazy to see headliner, opener, 70,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's great, man. They right. need to do a follow-up to Appetite for Destruction. Stuff, I think they did do a follow-up to that way back when. No, no, like a now come out and just... Uh, <laughs> yeah, way back. Yeah. back in the, Stuffed with Destruction. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I Bumblefoot was in here recently and, you know crazy because he i think he told us he knew this was happening in like late 2014 and i and i was like it's kind of a silly question but like how do you keep it a secret and he said by not telling people (laughs) and which is true but for you i mean is it Um, hard to contain was it hard to contain um no not really it was just one of those things where you know just uh I, i just yeah, I just shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like one of those things like you just want to run to the first mountaintop right? you see oh and just start God, screaming man. it. Right? You just want to like, share God's this. Roses are back. You want to share this new gospel with the world right. and see everyone's faces light up and stuff. But oh. yeah, I just thought I don't think they would have appreciated it had I, you know, probably not. <laughs> I didn't really want the wrath of GNR coming down on me. So probably not. Um, and you guys kind of touched on this when you're talking about. You know, a band finally uh, playing to stadiums again. You know, and what's interesting is both of you guys have seen very major changes in the in the industry. You know, Mark, you come from Creed, which was still from way back then, was still the time where a band like Creed could sell a diamond album. And then yeah, Human Clay is coming up on like twelve million. Absolutely insane, oh. and just the worldwide sales have been uh, insane. And then, Miles, when you uh, finally got uh, some spotlight for yourself with Alter Bridge and later with Slash, it was sort of when the industry was starting its downslope. Mm-hmm. So, I as mean, far as album sales go. I yeah. just missed the train. I know. It's like, I, and you know, Alter Bridge obviously doing great. But, uh, I mean, how can you speak to the changing industry and your different experiences as being a professional musician in... The changing times uh there's a lot of goods and a lot of bads that go along with it but it's uh, we definitely have to hustle a lot more these days you know you have sure. to go and do extra things to make the business side of it work you know you, you uh you can't just 
record a record and then tour for three months a year. You got to get out there and do it nine months a year. You got to record those other three months. You got to uh, uh, think of as many ways to keep your fans happy and and have the um, you know the VIP meet and greets and the and the special sure. packages and the I give guitar lessons and and uh, mm. you know we'll uh, you do as many things as you can at you know like when we recorded. Um, this record we we tracked with uh prs would would uh give us a, a great deal on their guitars where we could uh track each individual song with with certain guitars and then fans could actually purchase those guitars and say that i oh, have cool. the guitar that recorded the yeah. last hero hmm. or, or whatnot so little things like that that nobody'd really think of back in the day um but as long as, as the fans are happy and the band is happy and you're, you're making decisions that can keep making the the business make sense yeah, yeah. I think that um, you know the, the the phrase I always use as far as showing how things have changed is back. You know, like when Mark was at the zenith of their success, um, it was you made uh, you made records or you you toured to promote the records, mm -hmm. and now you make records to promote the tour. It's a very different mindset. Very true, yeah. And I think you just have to be aware of, if you want to do this, um, you've got to love the road. Mm -hmm. And if you don't love the road, you can still make records, but it's maybe going to be a little more difficult to make a go of the whole thing as a, as your primary focus, you're probably going to want to consider, you know, having something to fall back on. Cause it's, yeah, you're seriously. not, you can't just sit there and collect quote unquote mail mailbox money. Mm -hmm. no. you, you, so, but you know what? I think it's good because I think what it, I think going out and playing, it, it's different than when you listen to a record or what, you know, when, as a fan, getting to go out and see a band perform the songs that, that are resonating in your life somehow and 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 experience that that's awesome you know and for the fact that bands are all forced to do this now i think it's a good thing for music in general you know it's it, it's there's a sense of community we all come together uh we celebrate music and then we you know it, it's 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 awesome so mm. Because everybody likes to complain about you know the digital trends in music and the album sales but what's one thing that you would say is absolutely better today about the industry than it was 20 25 years ago one thing that you're going like man i wish we were able to do that 25 years ago you know one little thing it's not a huge thing but i think one cool thing that we get to do nowadays is uh you know that the guys earlier on didn't get to see is when we put out a record two days later you have bands covering your songs <laughs> you know you get to see the minute that song comes out kids are learning on guitar drums and they're performing your songs and that just shows you how uh, dedicated these these fans are and i don't think back in the day unless iron maiden went into a bar and saw some band covering their stuff they didn't get to see that kind of thing so you mm -hmm. get to really see um, that stuff all over youtube or social media i think i think with social media in particular you it used to be you had to put out a press release if you wanted to say something you had to go through these channels and get it out there, but now with with the, the this little thing called the internet, yes. if you can if you if you think of something, ten seconds later you can throw it out there to however many thousands of people pay attention to you. 
um, and and it, it, it everything happens so quick now. So I think that and I think that's good overall, unless you're a hothead and, <laughs> and you don't filter yourself. You know, I think some people can get themselves into trouble there mm. as far as expressing themselves and 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 not writing it in. It's yeah, it's true. We've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> Forty characters people. could be a problem. Yes, too. exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, when it comes to uh, the new industry right now, you're also getting like an instant reaction when you put something out. So I imagine that maybe back before the internet, before YouTube, when people are just commenting immediately, you know, you get the love or the hate with it. Was there almost like a fear of when you play a new song for the first time in front of a crowd? Because you really may not know what the reaction's going to be. Whereas now you're like, oh, this many likes, this many dislikes, you know, people aren't just giving their opinions nonstop. I mean, back in the day when you played a new song live, even if uh, even if it's the best song on the record and people aren't familiar with it, they just kind of stare at you. They have yeah. to have that familiarity, you know? So it wasn't a really a good gauge of... When somebody hears something, especially live for the first time, you can't really gauge it too much as... Uh, That's true. This mm. is a good or bad song, you know? Yeah, yeah, you might be able to dig the feel of it or whatever. Mm -hmm. and be like, oh, like, we were talking about that with Septic Flesh. This band, yeah. a Greek band called Septic Flesh. We saw them live hadn't heard their music at all and we're just kind of like oh yeah okay and then we both went back like the same day and listened to the great mass which is an album from them and we both went holy crap this is the greatest thing ever so and it clicked yeah it, it but, just um, completely clicked that's an awesome name septic, septic flesh, flesh from greece <laughs> sweet um another thing kind of around that is um if you listen to maiden beast over hammersmith it was when bruce had just joined the band it was recorded like right before number of the beast came out it's like oh it's a little song called hallowed be thy name <laughs> and they played hallowed be thy name and then afterwards the crowd's just like right deadpan like right wow. then there was like some applause like yeah that, that was pretty great but like that's a huge song to try to take yeah. in yeah. especially live you know you're not familiar with it you're like what's going on and it's like, you know, there's a song like that that has now stood the test of time, one of the greatest songs ever. Right. And you hear an honest reaction live, and it's just kind of crickets yeah. right, a little bit. Right. Yeah, I guess now you guys you put out a song, you could play it the next day, and, you know, all the crowds And sing someone in the, the crowd words. will come up and play it with you because they're yeah. doing covers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it's crazy. I, I just did a, a, some press stuff over in, you know, in Europe, and I was in Paris, and played a little... Acoustic set and played an arrangement of our new single of, of, of "Show Me a Leader," and I was really surprised, just because I didn't know. I, I guess I I didn't think, even though the song's been out for a little while now, that people would be have it that would be that familiar with them already to where they were singing it back to me, you know, louder wow. louder than I was. So yeah, that really highlights that. Yeah, you know, how how things have changed. Yeah, that's a beautiful experience, it's especially especially when you're when you've just put something out, you're probably closest to it, mm -hmm. like mentally, spiritually, creatively. So to hear, to get that love back from the crowd at that moment must be, oh God, oh, I'm so nice. glad. It's, that's what makes all it, you know, look, it's like a total drug. Oh, you know, it is, Hearing yeah. people sing your songs back to you, forget about it. It's <laughs> great. Awesome. Hey, Mark, please kiss me. <laughs> All right. I made it the whole time. No Creed's Reds references. None. Although, I'm very proud of you, Graham. A plus, 10 gold stars. Yeah. Thank you. Extra uh, recess time. 
Mark does. I, you know, I actually did talk to Mark about Kareed Shreds once, and he says that he actually finds it really, really funny. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that he does. And, you know, my obsession is, is not just of the it's self. It's been validated. Yeah. If he can like it, then everyone should listen to it. Absolutely. Uh, that was awesome. I really enjoyed having them in. You know, it, they're real down-to-earth guys, real cool people, and that Rocker vs. Writer segment was probably one of my favorites to date. Yeah, I knew it was. I knew it was going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get derailed and just talk about a bunch of awesome guitar duos and not really stick to our picks per se. But how can you not talk about Hank Sherman and Michael Denner and Kerry King and Jeff Hanneman, all those other guys who just absolutely rule? And that's the beauty of this. When you just sit down and talk to your friends about music, you just let it go wherever, and you just get caught up in the moment. You just start calling out bands and musicians and what you love about them and that's exactly what yeah, we wanted Racer to do x and cacophony who saw that coming i know exactly so we get to talk about just the best music ever with the best musicians out there so that's my favorite part of this thing and i really enjoyed that podcast being able to talk about slayer and priest and iron maiden and just all and mastodon glad miles mm. kennedy is a giant mastodon fan a ridiculously huge Mastodon fan. That was a cool thing it? to learn. <laughs> I know. It? You just, as time goes on and on, more people just start. <laughs> I think people are finally realizing that Mastodon is like the band of their generation, Absolutely. rock or metal. And, you know, as a guitar duo, Brent and Bill, pff, you cannot find anyone better than those guys right Adrian now. Adrian Smith or Dave Murray. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. <laughs> Iron Maiden is still going very, very strong. Um, another thing I thought was pretty interesting, too, like I think we harped on this a little bit before, is that, you know, we're younger. So we were raised yeah, kind yeah. of in the digital age with music. And it's always nice getting the two perspectives on everything, especially with the industry there and everybody complaining. And, you know, it's nice to see some guys are appreciating what's going on with the current industry. Yeah. Like, you can't change it. Got to accept it for what it is. And that is a really cool thing. You know, five hours after your new song goes up, somebody's already uploaded a cover of it. Like, yeah. it's crazy. That's crazy. It's amazing. And it also makes me jealous that Mark Tremonti was at the Seventh Sun tour while it was happening. Oh, yeah, that bastard. <laughs> that always <laughs> makes me jealous. Seems like every time we get a musician in here, they're like, oh, I was at this show and I just want to bite my teeth. But, you know. How do you bite your teeth? You, you use your teeth you to You clench bite. them together. You clench them together in frustration. But mm. we got Mastodon. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in once again. We will be back before you know it. Make sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes. <laughs> follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram. Follow me, Graham, at GrahamWire. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. We appreciate it. As always, we will be back soon.